Well, thank you, Ben. I like, feel like I can't see through here. All right, so I'm Annie, like Ben said, a senior at LBC, and I am originally from New Jersey, um, so I lived there all my life before coming to college here. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about me um, and how God has made me who I am today and those kind of things that Ben said that I really don't think I deserve, but appreciate it. Jesus is good. So, um, well, my story kind of starts um, when I was six years old. Um, my parents got divorced, and that was one of the biggest things that changed my life forever, um, obviously. And uh, at six, they separated, and I became, um, I quickly had to grow up. I quickly had to become the one the communicator in the family. I have an older brother who has the same mother and father, and then I also have an older sister who um, is from my mother's previous marriage. And... Um, out of the three of us, I ended up being the one who, um, for some reason, could communicate. And my parents chose me. And since they refused to talk to one another, um, at six years old, I created that way of communicating. And that was my life. Um, I grew up going to a Methodist church. My mom always took my siblings and I to church. And um, we were very involved in the church. My mom even became the youth group leader at one point. Um, and it, it really was a joy to be involved in that church. Um, although, even though we were so heavily involved in the church, at home, we never talked about Jesus. We never talked about the Bible. We never read the Bible. Actually, in church, I barely read the Bible. Um, it is a beauty to be here today and to be in a church that loves Jesus so much and talks about him every single moment, every day. Um, because in that church, sadly, I didn't have that. Um, so anyways, I going through my life, I'm going to jump up to my teen years. Um, in my teen years, something began where I started relationships. And I got into a relationship at 15 years old um, with a guy, and I had no guidance whatsoever. Uh, my parents didn't really leave me in that. They didn't ask me where I was during the day when I came home. They didn't really care what time I came home. Um, and sadly, that led me on a path that was bad. It was very wrong. I got involved in some bad things. Um some drugs and all sorts of stuff with um, being in that relationship. Uh, and then after about two years of that relationship, I realized there has to be more to this. There has to be more to life. What am I doing? I'm just riding in trucks all day, and we wreck trucks and then fix trucks and then just find the mud and all sorts of weird stuff. But um, there has to be more. Why Why is this? So I spent a month breaking up with this guy that I was with for two years, and at that point I was 17, and I had to continue to tell him every day, like, I don't know what's better, but there's got to be something, you know? And then a month after that, I met another man, and uh, we became friends, and we went on a date. And in that date, we were um, talking, and I was like, you know, man, this guy's great, like, He's got all these things, you know, you think about it when you're teens, like you might be starting to think about things. And um, and I was like, you know, he's got all these qualities that are awesome. I love it. And I was like, okay, this man's perfect. We're good. Yeah, this is good. And on the way home, he asked me a big question that then changed my life forever. And he just said, what do you think about God? And I was like, what? Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, God. I don't, I don't know. I kind of thought that Mother Nature ruled the world, and I don't know that it's called a naturalist, um, but I, I didn't really have any idea about God. I didn't really. I, um, 
And so he told me, well, you know what? I grew up in a Christian home, and it's extremely important to me that you, um, that the person that I date or I talk to um, is a believer, is a Christian. And at that point, I was like, I don't know what that is. What is a Christian? I knew there were some Christians in my high school, and they were pretty, some pretty cool kids. They were really nice, but I always thought that they were, like, way off. Like, those are nice kids. They're good. Like, I can't. I can't be them. No way. And so... He just explained to me, and it was, it was an interesting journey that we went through that night, because he kept saying things like, are you, are you sure you're not a Christian? You're saying something. You're saying something that sounds like, sounds like scripture. And I was like, what? No, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never read the Bible. Like, I haven't. It was never something that I did. You know, people talked about it and stuff. And, and he actually took me through scripture that night and was like, here's some things that you're saying. And I was like, I don't know why. And that night I realized that God had been with me my entire life. Through those years, those hard times when I was six and before that, after, the Lord was truly the one leading me. He was there every single step of the way. And so I, at that point, was someone that I had no idea. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. My parents didn't always teach me everything that I knew. And so a lot of the stuff I did believe in, it was just because I saw them do it. And I was like, that's not what I want to do. So went the other way. Um, but anyways, so I started talking. And I was like, you know what? Can you give me a Bible? It'd be, it'd be cool to read that. Can I uh, start reading a Bible? So I did that. And um, after a month of talking, so this is like, uh, November 2011, uh, to put it in perspective. And so November 2011, um, that was that. In December, this guy and I started to date. Um, we decided to make that decision. And then in January, he came over my house one night and was like, Annie, it's a crazy thing happened. I was at my house and I was in my room and I was just so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit that I gave my life to Christ. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is really weird. <laughs> you're acting kind of strange. And at that point, I was kind of like, okay, so what's going on? And we'd come to this point in our relationship where like, if we want to continue to date, I need to believe in Jesus. But I knew that believing in God and believing in Jesus was not some simple thing. It was not something to just say, like, yeah, I believe, so I could continue to date this cool guy. No way. Like, I know, even even though I never read the Bible, I knew the name of Jesus. I heard it everywhere. I did go to church, and it's a big deal. I mean, there's churches everywhere. There's organizations everywhere. You know, it's I, it was kind of common knowledge. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to say I believe or dedicate my life to this guy without knowing more. So then I continued to read the Bible, and through that, about a month later, um, and I had a lot of questions. I took my pastor at my church. A month later, he, um, this guy who I was dating, we, one night he was like, hey, like, let's go out in the woods to this place that we always would hang out and have a campfire with our friends. And he had earlier that day went out and built a bench out of logs and twine, and we went out and sat on the bench, and he really just took me through Romans Road, if you've ever heard of it, and he just really taught me and told me what Christ had done for me, that Christ had died. And he asked me questions of, do you believe Jesus was a real person? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I researched it. Definitely real guy. Yeah. Like, do you believe that he was God? And I'm like, well, God was so powerful to create this earth because I don't believe it popped out of nowhere. And it makes sense that a God, a very powerful being would create it. Yeah. Like, I would say he could put himself on earth in man form, yeah. 
Yeah, totally. And then he said, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins? And at that point, I was like, well, I don't know about that. I've done some pretty bad things in my life. I think some pretty bad things. I know for a fact, logically, that if I say yes right now, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and not think bad things. And then I'm not going to get in trouble again. I could try my very best, but I don't know if that's possible. And he said, Annie, being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. He said, being a Christian means that you have the God who created you, who knew you while you were in your mother's womb, to walk with you every day and lead you. He is the one who leads your paths and makes your paths and bring you along it. He is your strength. And I was like, all right, I believe that. I will accept that. And at that moment, he ran off into the woods in the middle of nowhere. It's pitch black. And I knelt down at that bench and was like, God, if you, if this is true, and I, I believe it is, I'm willing to sacrifice and live my entire life for you because I know that I've messed it up. I've tried it on my own. Hasn't worked out so well. And I can't imagine living God, like living life without you. What a beautiful thing it would be. And from that day on, I've decided and God has, God has taken me. God has, Jesus has showed himself to me every day and it's beautiful to just live life with Lord and with Christ and the Holy Spirit and, um, well, then fast forwarding, uh, fast forwarding, uh, a year and a half later, that gentleman and I, we broke up. And um, that was the hardest, probably the hardest thing I had to go through in my entire life. It was a very hard time for me. I was out of high school at this point, living on my own. Um, and so in that breakup, I spent many days reminding myself, like, you're not doing that anymore. Like, this isn't that happy life that you're living anymore. It's not okay. And that was the time that God really showed me, look, I have you. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I put that verse on my wall and I said, I know that that is true. This is scripture and that is true. And therefore, my heart will be binded up. My heart will be fixed again and I won't be brokenhearted forever. And he was so right. Scripture is true. <laughs> so true, amen. And um, so that time I went through it and the Lord showed me that in that time really my relationship with the Lord was almost bound up in this guy you know I had never I had never read the Bible on, like I'd read it on my own in that time that year and a half but I'd always go to him and talk to him for the answers and everything and it was really God saying like Annie you gotta let go it's me and you me and you and so God really showed himself to me in that time and it was beautiful um, and after that, I started college and um, I've been at LBC and boy, have I been taught a whole bunch of more things there. And I really got to learn what it was, what he explained to me that life is God walking with you, carrying you, really. Like he is the one who makes your path and leads you through it. And it's a beautiful thing and you're not on your own. And God continues to redeem me every day because I continue, continue to fall short. I'm still a sinful human being on this earth. What a bummer it is, but one day we'll all be on that other side. And what a glorious, beautiful thing that is. So, yep, so God continues to work in my life. And 
yeah, it's amazing. And I just thank you guys all for listening. And I hope that, um, I don't know, I hope that God could talk to you in some way through that. And really ask me anything. I'm totally open. Talk to me about anything. If you have any questions at all, I would love to talk to you. I really would. Um, thank you, Ben. Two quick thoughts besides how I love doing these because it just makes me thankful to God for saving. But, um, you know, just one would be by the grace of God and the sovereignty of God, Annie is saved because some guy said, so what do you think about God? I mean, if, if teens, there's this fear of, I don't know enough about evangelism. I need to be trained. I don't know enough. And, and we can, we can grow. Training is good. Do you know about this Jesus? <laughs> what do you think about God? It's simple questions that God uses for glorious purposes. And, and the second thing I would highlight, you know, is just how I think sometimes as teens in the environment you're being raised in, you're, the environment you're being raised in is very different than the environment a lot of us as parents were raised in. And I think the temptation for teens whether you're homeschooled or public school, but just teens who grow up in the church, the temptation is to look at sin, to look at the world and say, ooh, what they're offering. I just, I wish I could, I could experience that. I wish I could get what, what they have out there. I can't. I'm being stopped by my parents. It's not even possible uh, to get out there. And, you know, maybe once I leave the house, I can experience those things. Listen to Annie. She tasted it and she said, it's not as good as Jesus. Don't let your sin lie to you and say like what you're being held back from is somehow bad. You being held back from the world is a gift to you. And we can't avoid it because of sin's in us. It's not that the world's a problem. We're the problem. But what the world offers, listen to us when we say to you, it does not satisfy. That's the blessing of testimonies, is that we're given wisdom beyond what we've experienced. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, second book of the Bible. The title of the message tonight is Fear and the Future, Trusting God with the Unknown. Fear and the Future, Trusting God with the Unknown. We're going to begin by looking at Exodus 3, and then we're going to... Jump over to to Jeremiah. Sometimes the fear of the unknown is more scary than the fear of the known. Sometimes the unknown is more scary than the known. I have had friends who have experienced physical pain of one kind or another, and, and sometimes the scariest part is when the doctors don't know the reason for the pain. And so they have people do a battery of tests, a series of tests. And I have one friend who, uh, in particular, just is experiencing, he's experiencing significant back pain. And the pain's running down through his legs. And it's not resolved yet. But he was saying that uh, it wasn't just the fear of what was, not just the fear of, of the pain. Um, and how was that going to limit him? But the fear of what is it? And so the doctor's just listing all the possibilities of what it could be. And I share that with you this evening because I think teens can struggle in a similar way when they think about the future. You know, the, the, uh, in one way, there's something so special 
about where you are. You, know, you just there's the endless possibilities uh, of what life looks like, what uh, the future awaits for you. But there's also a temptation in that, isn't there? What am I going to do after high school? Am I going to go to college? If so, which college? What, what will be my vocation? What will be my career? Will I get married? If so, who will I marry? When will I get married? Will I have children? If so, how many? And just the list goes on and on and on and on as you look at this part of your life. Actually, maybe you haven't asked these questions and I'm starting to freak you out. Actually, Mr. Ross, I was fine coming in here tonight and now you got me all nervous. Thanks a lot. <laughs> all kidding aside, it, you know, in my years as a teenager, which, yes, teens, I was a teenager at one point, um, and eight years of serving in this ministry, I have found that the fear over the future is one of the most consistent temptation for teens to struggle. It's one of those things I hear consistently, just as I think about the future, fear, anxiety, just struggle. So I thought it would be a good thing for us to consider and benefit from what God's Word says in regards to fear and the future. And the good news uh, this evening is that we're going to see in the Bible that God encourages us that we can have faith and not fear over the future. I can't tell you tonight who you're going to marry or if you're going to get married or where you're going to live or your job. That would be really easy, right? Hey, Mr. Ross is praying and let me just name it and claim it over each of you, right? I can't do that. I don't know what God has for you. I don't know what trials you're going to face in this life. But what I know is that we can have hope because of God. Not because of our circumstances, not based on knowing the answers to the questions I pose, not based on what we will experience and what we'll avoid, but rather based on the fact that God promises to go with His children in this life. And that He has a plan for us. And we can trust that plan. Because God is good. So here's my big truth for this evening. If you leave with one Sentence. This is the sentence. We can have faith and not fear as we look to the future because God goes with us and God is good. We can have faith and not fear as we look to the future because, because God goes with us and God is good. So let's pray. Lord, Lord, I, I think that we're probably all in the same boat tonight. As we look to the future, whether we're parents, whether we're teens, whether we're young adults, Lord, the, the unknown is scary. Lord, I pray by your grace and by the Spirit, you would replace fear with faith tonight as we look to you. Not as we drum it up in our own strength, not if we not trying to become more faith-filled, just looking to you tonight. To hear what you say about yourself, what you say about what you will do in regards to us, that it would fill us, not with anxiety, not with fear, but with confident, hopeful faith in you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to begin by looking at an illustration in God's Word uh, that talks about being tempted to fear the future. 
Uh, here in Exodus 3, we find the familiar story of Moses and the burning bush. Many of you know this story. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, and while in the midst of this slavery, God drew near to Moses through the burning bush, and he says the following. So look at verse 7 with me. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites. The Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold... The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you, talking to Moses, to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So the Lord says a lot in this passage about what he's going to do. But embedded within it, God says to Moses, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God is telling Moses, I'm going to free my people, I'm going to do it by sending you. Now, I think we can be tempted to make people in the Bible larger than life. And assume that they always handle things the right way. That they're never tempted the way we are in this life. And so when we see God giving this command to Moses, we might think he would respond by saying, Of course, God. Thanks for asking. Actually, I was wondering why you didn't come sooner. I feel completely prepared for this. I've got this. No fear. No anxiety. Let's go to Pharaoh right now. And you know what? Not only will I share with him what you want me to say, but I've got some additional thoughts of my own. Let's go. That's not what he says. Look at verse 11. God says, I'm going to send you Moses. And he says, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Translation, are you kidding me, God? Are you nuts? I am a nobody, and you're going to send me towards Pharaoh, one of the most, if not the most powerful ruler in the world? Do you know my history with the Pharaohs in Egypt? I've kind of got a track record going. Parents and teens, as we see here in the beginning of Exodus 3, if we went back to the beginning, Moses comes upon God... God comes upon him in the burning bush. He's tending the flock of of his father-in-law's sheep. It's not even his sheep. It's a very unimpressive responsibility. God doesn't come to Moses as a leader of of some army. He doesn't come to him as the ruler over even a uh, a small city. Moses is tending someone else's sheep. And in that place, God says, you're my guy. You're my guy. You're the one that I'm going to send to Pharaoh. And as Moses considers his future, he responds with fear. Who am I? He responds with fear. And teens, I want you to know that us being tempted to fear, as we consider the future, 
and we consider unknown things in this life is not a surprising reaction by Moses. And it's not a surprising reaction from us. Right? I mean, in a lot of ways, when you think about the future, when you think about unknown things, it makes a whole lot of sense that you would be tempted to fear. And the reason for that is this fact. We're not God. We're not God. You and I are finite. We have limited gifting, limited energy, limited knowledge. And the amount that we don't know about circumstances, people, ourselves, and the future is staggering. I think there's a temptation in teen years to think that you know everything. And then you get a little bit older and you realize you don't know anything. And when you start to realize... The amount you don't know, I think fear is an appropriate reaction. When you and I think about how limited we are and all the possibilities that could occur in the future, it's understandable that we will be tempted to fear. The question is not if you and I will be tempted to fear as we walk through this life. The question is that, that when you're tempted, where will you go for peace? And we see here, this passage is so simple. You only have two real choices when you are tempted to fear. The temptation to go inward or to go upward. That's what I want you to ask tonight to yourself. When you are tempted to fear, and we're all tempted to fear, do you go inward or do you go upward? Do you look at yourself? Do you try to figure out how I'm going to survive this? How I'm going to be successful in this? How I'm going to figure this out? Or do you go to God? If you go inward, it only produces more fear, right? Because the more you look at yourself, the more limited and weak you realize you are. And so it just kind of compounds the problem. And that's what Moses does at first. He looks inward. Who am I? God in the Exodus passage is saying some powerful, encouraging things. God's saying, I'm going to do it. I'm the one that's going to do it. I'm just using you as my instrument. But, but Moses kind of doesn't, doesn't connect those dots. He just thinks, who am I? Who am I? And, and I think that's what we can do as well. I think when you are anxious, when I am anxious, the problem is I'm just staring at myself. I'm just thinking about me. We see our limitations, we see our weakness, we see our sinfulness, and that produces great anxiety. And, and teens, like, we're in this with you. As adults, we can be tempted to fear. As parents, we can be tempted to fear. Parenting is, is hard. Parenting is a glorious task from God, but it is no joke. And the temptation as a parent is to say, who am I, God? You know, just some days I think to myself, I have three daughters. What am I doing with three daughters? I, I, I didn't have any sisters. My mom um, kind of had to play both roles a little bit because of how much my dad worked. Like, I didn't have a category. When they said that Malin was a girl on that ultrasound, I remember thinking, huh? A girl? Girly things? Pink? Tea parties? I don't know how to do any of that. And God, like, God had to have chuckled. Oh, you think one's bad, Ben. You're getting three. 
And I love my daughters, but I don't feel qualified to be their dad. And then with my son. Who am I for this, God? So I want you to know, teens, parenting can produce the same type of fear as we go inward. Teens and parents can be tempted to, like Moses, say, who am I? But look at verses 11 and 12. Look at God's reaction. These two verses are are just, they are verses that would be good for you to memorize. They are certainly good for you to remember again and again and again and again throughout the Christian life. So I'm going to to repeat verse 11 and then you'll see God's response. So verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He, God, said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God doesn't even answer his question of who am I. God's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Who are you, right? You are limited. You are weak. Yes, there's much you don't know. Here's your hope. It's not, it's not that I'm going to give you a pep talk. I'm not going to kind of, Moses, you're a great guy. You can do it. You're, you're better than you think you are. God doesn't do that. God gives him hope by saying, I will be with you. And that is the hope for us this evening as well. I am weak. Massively, massively weak. In, I'm physically, can be physically weak. I'm, I'm not some brilliant scholar. I, I am a sinner that needs God's grace every day. Like Annie was saying, I am weak. Teen, whether you believe it or not, you are weak. Your parents are weak. Here is our hope. God goes with us. God goes with us. When you think about the future and you begin to feel anxious, here is your hope. Not you're going to do it. Not you'll figure it out. Here is hope tonight. God goes with us. Teens, some of you have been through very challenging things. I wish it wasn't so. I wish that you have not struggled the way you have, that, that you wouldn't have to experience some of the things you have in this life, but you have. Here is hope this evening. God goes with you. He doesn't forsake you. I believe in the positive side. I think God's going to use uh, many of you teens for great things for His glory. Some of you already are trying to have stirrings of how God's going to use you. Here's His encouragement tonight, He goes with you. Seasons change. People in our life change. Where we are, what we're doing, who's around us, all of that changes. God goes with us. He is our hope. He is our anchor. God never leaves your side. He always goes with you. Every time you're anxious, every time you fear, you can remind yourself of Exodus 3. God goes with you. Point number two, faith for our future. Faith for the future. We can have faith for our future when we look to God. Remember what I said, we can be fearful when we look to ourselves because we're not God. But we can have hope, even in the unknown, even in that moment of, God, I still don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know where all this is headed. I can have hope because God 
is the opposite of us in so many ways, and I'm so grateful for that. We are finite. He is infinite. We are weak. He is not just strong. God is all-powerful. There is so much we don't know. God knows everything. Many things are too hard for us. Nothing is too hard for God. I feel like I should start keeping a list of all the reasons you should be in the Bible. And I can actually like say, reason 6,542 tonight is... So I don't know where we are in that over eight years of me leading this group, but it's got to be getting up there. Here's another reason for you to be in the Bible every day. If you don't know who God is, then being told that God goes with you does not make any impact on your life. If you don't know who God is, and we're saying, hey, here's the good news. God goes with you. Okay. It's like going to a party, and your friends are talking about the party. Maybe it's later that evening, and they're just going crazy because Bob's going to be there. Did you hear that Bob got invited to this party? Bob's going to be there. I can't wait. I can't wait to go to the party because Bob's there. I mean, what Bob, what's Bob going to do? Bob's coming. And your friends are just going crazy because Bob's coming to the party. If you don't know Bob, you're just thinking, okay, Bob's coming, great. Seems like a big deal. I don't know really why, but excited for you that Bob's going to be there. Like, Bob is just kind of this mythical character of glad, he's, glad he makes you happy that he's coming. And, and my concern is that in the same way, if you don't know God... Really, like Annie said, like she grew up in the church but never read the Bible. That's my story. Grew up in the church. Someone says God's not real. Jesus isn't real. The hand shoots up. That's not true. Prove it. And I realized I've never actually read the Bible. And I'm grateful, like Annie said, that we talk about Christ and that we talk about His Word. And yet you realize, team, you could be around all these people that know God and you hear them talk about God, but you don't actually know God. I don't know if there's anything more sad than a person who is surrounded by Christians who who doesn't actually know God himself. So the blessing of being in the Bible, it's not like, so I can check it off the list. It's not, well, I did that today, so God loves me now. That's not, that's not right. That's not true. I need to be in the Bible because it reminds me again and again of who this God is that goes with me. I can't read the Bible and not be reminded of his attributes, of his character. We learn over and over again. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's loving. He's kind. He's merciful. He's patient. And so this becomes a specific encouragement to me. When we say God goes with us, I remember all his benefits. I remember all that he is. And teens and parents, the scriptures encourage us Not only that God goes with us into the future, but that He is the sovereign Lord of our future. He has perfectly planned your future, believer. And in His sovereign grace and power, He makes sure everything goes according to plan. Turn with me to Jeremiah 29. So, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon... 
Isaiah, and then Jeremiah. So if you get to Psalms, you're, you're close. Just kind of keep working your way across there. It's the next book after Isaiah. It's a well-known passage. My, my guess is that every single person in this room or at least the vast majority have heard it before, but I pray that it would really impact you when you think about fear of the future. Look at verse um, verse 11. Chapter 29, verse 11. For I know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I love that it doesn't say, says the Lord. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. This is true over your life tonight, believer. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. That that word can be translated peace. Plans for peace, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now, we got to realize the context of this passage. It's important to catch the context of where this is said. They're in exile. They're in another country against their will. The people of God are going through real challenges and significant trial. I want to be clear tonight here, teens, in having... Faith for the future in trusting God. We're not saying, hey, if you simply trust God, your life will be easy, pain-free, devoid of trial. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the passage of this scripture is saying. And we know that because they're experiencing trial in the midst of the passage. We live in a broken world where evil exists. And trials will will be experienced by all of us. This passage gives us a confident hope, however, that in the midst of all of this, God has a glorious and perfect plan for every one of His children. Annie shared that there were hard things she experienced. And and she shared some of that was because of others, people's sin. And yet God, in His glorious sovereignty, was using all of it for good. And Annie doesn't know all the ways that He used it, but she will one day. And she will be able to say, Jeremiah 29, over her life, even in the hard things. I would go so far as I look at my own life to say that it was in the trials that God did the most good. I would say it was in the hard moments of my life is where I've seen God work the most. So we're not saying that being a Christian means your life is carefree and and, and trial-free, but what we are saying is that God has a perfect plan for you and that even in the trial, even in the suffering team, you can say, God, I trust you. I don't know all that you're doing. I don't know all the reasons for this. God, honestly, sometimes it is hard. But I believe your word. I believe that you have a plan for my life and it is not for evil. It is for good. It is for peace. It is for my welfare. And the context here of Jeremiah 29 is that they're not always going to be in exile. 
The promise here is that one day they will be freed from these foreign powers and they will return home to Israel. They are in exile, but they will always stay in exile. And that was a real thing that really happened. Teen, let this encourage you. God promises 70 years later, this is going to happen. And 70 years later, it happened. So it was a real event, but this event was a foreshadowing of the gospel. God in the Old Testament takes real things, they really did happen, and yet they're pictures of an ultimate, greater reality. And we see here, that's a foreshadowing of our redemption in Christ. You and I, as sinners, are the exiles. You and I, as sinners, are enslaved to our sin. Previously, children... Of wrath, enemies of God. Rebels don't have a hope, right? Rebels don't have a future. When you're on death row, you don't have a hope in the future. You're guilty and you are awaiting sentencing. And that's what every sinner apart from Christ is. You're on death row. You're not making plans for after you get out of jail because there's no getting out of jail. You're on death row. It's over. You're just waiting for your sentencing. That's... Life without Christ. And that's what all of us faced at one time. And yet God, before the foundation of the earth, had a plan to give us a hope and a future by sending Jesus to earth. He he came to rescue us. By taking the punishment for our rebellion, Jesus stood in the place of the rebel. Jesus stood and took what the guy, in a sense, on death row deserved. I was on death row. I deserved hell forever. And Jesus came and he took Ben Ross's eternal punishment. And that by the gift of grace of repenting and trusting in him, I now have a hope in the future. Teen, if you've repented and trusted in Christ, you have gone from an enemy of God to a son or daughter. And you have a hope now and a future. Because of our salvation that Christ has secured for us, we no longer have to fear. We no longer have to be anxious. Because we're God's. Think about this. God has a plan for your life, and He was willing to do anything to accomplish it, right? Anybody can make a plan. I, I can make a plan for my kids. I can make a plan for their, you know, Monday's my day off. I can make a plan for them to, let's have a fun family day. But will I do anything to make it happen? Will I sacrifice? Will I give of my time? Will I give of my money? Will I do stuff to kind of show, hey, I want to make today special? God didn't just make a plan. And I hope it turns out. I hope it works out for you, teen, parent. God made a plan and was willing to do anything and everything to make sure that plan unfolded, including giving his own son to die the worst death anyone has ever died. That's how committed God is to you. That, I'm, I, that is so important because when you're anxious, you're devoid of that truth. You're, you're not thinking about what God has already done. 
God loved us so much He would give up His own Son to achieve these plans. Are we seriously worried about college? Are we seriously worried about the the wife He's going to bring us or the husband He's going to bring us? If God would do that, we can trust Him with the small stuff. And teen, marriage and vocation and children, they're significant, but they're nothing in compared to your salvation. I've said it. I'll say it again. I love you, teens. I sometimes slip into saying... My teens, you're, you're like family to me. I don't love you enough to give Anderson for you. I love you, but I don't love you that much, right? But God loves you that much. God loves you so much, He would give up His own Son. What, uh, what Abraham did not have to do with Isaac, God did for you. We must remember that when we think about the future, when we think about fear, we look back to the cross again and again and again. And if God did that, and God doesn't make promises and then split. When God says, I will be with you, He's with you to the end. When God says, I will not forsake you, He will never forsake us. Psalm 139.16 In your book were written every one of them the day that they were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. What that verse is saying, team, is that every single day of your life is known by God. Nothing happens in your life and God has back turned. Nothing happens in your life. There is nothing out there in your future where God's like, I wonder how that's going to work out. I wonder how that's going to turn out. I wonder if, I wonder if. God never says, I wonder if. God says, I've got a plan and I will do everything to accomplish that. And for the believer, it's a good plan. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. And we're called to trust Him. That that's the application here as we end. It's not doing it in our own strength. It's leaning on Him and saying, God, I am an anxious person. I can fear the unknown. I can fear the future. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your path. Trust in the Lord, team, with all your heart, because He's trustworthy. You, you will not lean on Him fully if you don't know Him. But when you know Him, and you see what He is willing to do, and what He promises, you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. I think when I was a teen, there was a temptation to think I do this once and then I move on with the rest of my life. There was that moment when God saved me. I trust you, God. I repent of my sin. I am a sinner. I place my faith in you as Lord and Savior. I'm going to follow you. What I have found is that trusting God is a daily activity. 
isn't it? I, I can trust God tonight. I can listen to God's word here. God's got a plan. God goes with me. Lord, you're trustworthy. You'd give up your own son. Oh, Lord, I trust you. And tonight, in the middle of the night, I could wake up anxious. Tomorrow, I could wake up anxious. Maybe for you, a test you didn't know about comes on the scene and all of a sudden you're anxious. It's a trial that you don't know exists right now that unfolds next week or next month or next year and all of a sudden the temptation, the anxiety and fear. We're called to go towards God again and again and again. God, you are trustworthy. Yes, you go with me. You love me. You have a plan for me. And Lord, I might not know what it is, but you do, and that's enough. I I say to people, I'd rather have God know my future than me. I would not want it reversed. I I got my plan. God doesn't know about it, but I got my plan. I'd rather not know as long as he knows. Because he's for you, not against you, believer. And if you're not a believer, we want to plead with you. We want to encourage you. Repent tonight. And trust in Him that you would go from an enemy to a son or daughter of God. 1 John 1 9 tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to fear like Annie feared that night. Could God save me? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's pray. Lord, we all admit that we need to be reminded of these truths again and again. Lord, we're weak, and you know that. And we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your grace, that that we can, we can rely upon you, we can trust you, we can be doing well, and then we can be tempted to go back down inward into ourselves. Lord, please, we, we plead for the grace to go upward and not inward. I pray for our teens, Lord, that they would grow in knowing you. That as we talk about you going with us and that you are trustworthy, that they would be able not to kind of ride on their parents' coattails, but they would be digging into the Word and saying, this God is awesome. This God who knows everything and can do anything and is loving and kind and merciful and gave up His own Son, oh, I trust Him. Lord, help us to go upward. Help us to believe that your plans are best. Lord, when we don't know or when they're hard, Lord, help us, help us, help us to trust you. And to believe, Lord, that this is best. That Romans 8.28 is true. That you you are working all things for good for those who love you. Lord, as we now turn to an extended time of prayer, I pray that you would answer our prayers and that you would meet us. Oh, Lord, thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you for the confidence we can have because of your life, death, and resurrection. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.